West Bowles, good morning. I've got a nice uh, 60 minute sermon planned for you guys. So just kidding. All right. Hey, uh, I'm really, really excited you're all here this morning. And this is going to sound bad, so you're going to have to let me explain. I'm really excited that I'm here this morning because I almost wasn't here this morning. My wife cuts my hair at home. And last weekend, we were, we were in our kitchen, and she was cutting my hair. And she said, honey, today is the day. Today is the day we're giving you a new hairstyle. And I've, I've kind of just worn my hair the same way for the last 12 years. And so my response to that was over my dead body. And she reached over to the counter where there was a kitchen knife. And some kitchen knives look like a kitchen knife. This looked like a blade out of the pits of Mordor from Lord of the Rings. So she pulled out this demon sword and she said, that's right, over your dead body. We're giving you a new hairstyle because it's time. And so I stand before you this morning for the first time in 12 years with a brand new hairstyle. So um, you don't have to clap because I still feel totally uncomfortable with it. Um, And I just realized we've come full circle. Um, This is the exact same haircut that little six-year-old Nathan Harrison wore in first grade. So, yeah. Well, uh, a couple things have happened as a result of uh, this new hairstyle. And the first was I ended up liking it more than I should have. Because she got done cutting my hair, and I just, you know, you just cringe when there's a change. And I just was cringing. And I was like, I can't can't go out in public. I certainly can't go to church because what if people look at me funny? What if they ask questions? What if they don't like it? And she said, honey, just look in this mirror. You are a babe. You're a total hottie. That's kind of what you said, right, hon? Well... You know what? The details don't matter. So, um, yeah, and I'm, so I'm looking and like 60 seconds in, because she said, you just need a little time to get used to it. So I'm looking in the mirror and about 60 seconds in, I was like, I guess I'm kind of attractive. So, honey, why don't you take a picture of the right side of my haircut? And then, you know, this looks good. So you should get a picture of me straight on and then get a picture of the left side. And then after that, why don't you get a picture of the back of my hair as well? In fact, honey, do you think we should have well, maybe you should post my picture to Facebook. And then maybe you should tweet a link to my photo. We should probably have somebody come in here and like draw a portrait of me and put it on our wall. Should I model? You know, I should probably model. You should call a modeling agency. And then, and then you should schedule a photo shoot. Honey, am I not just awesome? You know what, don't answer that. Honey, I'm awesome. And she went, okay, we just made a really big mistake here because you just went zero to 60 on this new hairstyle. So that was the first thing that happened. And the second thing that happened was I I noticed there had to be this incredible shift in my mind after having the same hairstyle for 12 years to change it. And this week, and that's really where I want us to zero in a little bit this morning and follow that thought. Because this week, as I was looking at some old pictures of Nathan, I found one from about three years ago. And I'm looking at this picture of myself. And this used to be the picture that was like, That's my good picture. Like if somebody needs a picture of Nathan for something, I'm sending them that one. But this week I was looking at that picture and I just went, that's not such a good picture. Because I'm wearing that old hairstyle. You know, that picture could have been so much better. And that picture could have had so much more potential. I mean, what was I thinking? What was my brain focused on? 
Where was my mind at? And I found myself wishing I could go back to the moment that that picture was snapped and just, just shake Nathan and say, Nathan, what are you thinking? I know, you're, I know you're scared of a new hairstyle because she was, my wife was telling me I should change this a few years ago. I know you're scared of a new hairstyle. I know it'd be difficult. I know it'd be painful. But I'm telling you, I'm on the other side of the change and it's better. And I wish I'd done it sooner because I'm a total babe now. <laughs> or at least, at least your wife thinks you're a babe now or you think that your wife thinks you're a babe now. Now, all that this week over a haircut. And it's fun to look back and at stuff we wore and, and our hairstyles and all that and laugh at it and say, man, it'd be fun to go back. But there are other areas, I think for every single person in here this morning, myself included, where to go back to an area of life is difficult to think about. And we all say this phrase, we all say, I wish I could go back to then knowing what I know now. And I wish I could go back to then seeing the world the way I see it now. Because some decisions probably would have been different. And some things I said maybe would have been different. Maybe I would have not said something. And maybe a relationship, I would have ended one or I would have started one. We all have that. Because as we go, we pick up knowledge and we pick up wisdom and we pick up experience that we wish we had had earlier in life. Now, I know we all imagine going back through life knowing what we know now. But what if you could walk back through your life with God's knowledge and God's wisdom? Would you do it? While you think about that, let me read something to you. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12 this morning. But I want you to just hear something that Paul says at the end of Romans chapter 11. Listen to this. This is verse 33. He says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? And then a couple verses later, he says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. So if you could walk back through your life with the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God and know his intentions, would you do it? I think we all would. Because nobody in here and no one I know wants to get to the end of life and look back at this snapshot of different times in your life and say that could have been better. And that had so much more potential. Nobody wants to do that. Now here's the thing. You can't walk back through life. You just can't. But you can start right now. Walking through life with the wisdom and the knowledge and knowing the intentions of God. And this morning we're going to hear something out of the mouth of the Apostle Paul that says how we can do that. And it involves a shift in our minds. And so this morning, as we continue this series we've been going through, Built Bulls Tough, we're talking about these spiritual disciplines that we can start to incorporate into our lives as people of God. And one discipline that I want to zero in on this morning is the discipline of guarding our minds. And specifically, I want to challenge you with one thought this morning. It's one thought that I hope you'll walk out of here with. And it's this, that living out God's intentions starts with shifting our 
attention. Living out God's intentions starts with shifting our attention. And I want us to just walk through three significant truths this morning. And at the end of that, ask you one simple question that I pray will cause you to shift your attention so that you can fully live out and you can fully experience the intentions that God has for your life and the world around you. So, truth number one. We live in a world that gets attention from us and is destructive to us. We live in a world that gets attention from us and it is destructive to us. At the start of Romans chapter 12, Paul is talking to the Romans. And he says, because we have a God who's so rich in knowledge, he's so rich in wisdom, and from him and through him and to him are all things, that means he's been merciful to us because we don't deserve that. He has given us the very breath we breathe. And so he says, live your lives as a sacrifice to him that's holy and pleasing. And then he really starts to get specific. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on screen. But here's what it says. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Now, I I just want to stop all of us right there. Because if you're like me, when you hear a phrase that starts with do not, what do you want to do? Yeah, you want to do that thing. It's part of our human nature. We want to do the very thing that we're told not to do. And that's difficult. In fact, this is one of those verses that people will look at and they'll say, a relationship with God, Christianity, it's full of rules. God doesn't want me to have any fun. That's what this is about. But if I could get you to just, if I could get all of us to lay that down for a minute. If we could lay down that thing in us that says, well, God wants it to be all rules and no fun. And he wants it to feel like we're in a prison. If we could lay that down for just a minute. Because what did Paul just get done saying? He said, God is rich in knowledge and wisdom. And if God is rich in knowledge and he's rich in wisdom, then you know what that means? It means that God probably knows some things that we don't know. And God probably sees some things that we don't see. And it means that God has a perspective that we don't have. And it's possible that in the midst of a relationship with your heavenly father, that he doesn't want to give you the feeling of feeling like you're in a prison. He wants to give you his perspective. That's what this is about. Because one of, the, one of the perspectives that God has is on the world we live in. And he says, it is destructive for you and to you. In fact, 10 times in the New Testament, you see this phrase for the world mentioned. And every single time, it, it's associated with darkness, with death, with disobedience, and with destruction. And the other perspective that God has is he knows that because of our fallen nature, we're going to be drawn to it. We just want to give our attention to it. And he's saying, look, I love you. And I want to save you from that because I don't want you to be destroyed. And so he says, through Paul, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. There's an author by the name of Henry Cloud. And he says this, he says this about patterns. He says that the patterns of our lives 
can and will wreck us. The behavior and the stuff that we engage in over and over and over, it can and will wreck us. If it's of the world, it will. And unfortunately, we're seeing a picture of that play out in the life of a woman over in England. There's a woman in England by the name of Georgie Reedman. And Georgie Reedman has had a pattern happening in her life every single day from the time she was five years of age. Every single day of Georgie Reedman's life since she was five years old, for breakfast, for lunch, and for dinner, she has eaten ramen noodles. Every single day, every single meal. If you were to boil a pot of ramen noodles and stretch that out and then add up all the ramen that Georgie Reedman eats in a year, it would stretch over 30 miles. She eats 30 miles worth of ramen noodles every single year. Recently, it was in the news, she went to the doctor and the doctors, um, they, they told her that your organs inside your body, Georgie, they are operating at the level of an 80-year-old. And that would be fine if Georgie was 80 years old. It would even be fine if she was 70, 75 years old. Georgie Reedman is 19 years old. And the pattern in her life is physically destroying her body. It's accelerating the death of her body. Now, I don't know anybody in here who eats ramen for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day. But God knows that we have patterns in our lives where we're drawn to the world. And he says, that's about as nourishing for you. <laughs> it's about as nourishing for you as eating ramen noodles every single day. The world we live in gets attention from us and is destructive to us. That's truth number one. Truth number two is this, that God's perspective for us transforms us. God's perspective for us transforms us. Look at what Paul says as we continue through verse two. He's just said, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That is difficult, and that's something that I think we all get wrong. Because your first thought when something needs to change, something needs to transform, something needs to go differently, is not that God will transform you, it's that who will transform you? Me. Not me. I mean you. You know, we all think that I'll just do something different. I will just stop doing the thing that's destructive in my life. I'll just start doing something else. I'll just make adjustments. It's up to me. And Paul is saying, no, it's not. You can't do it. You don't have that power. You don't. That word for be transformed, it's passive, not active. So what that means is this is not being transformed. It's not something that you do. It's something that's done to you. And it's done to you and it happens in you, but the power to do it, it comes from outside of you and it comes from outside of me. In other words, this is not about willpower. This is about God's power. 
And we have to understand that. And the way God's power works is not to just take control of our bodies and turn us into a robot and force us to do whatever God wants. The way his power works is his perspective enters our minds. In the midst of having a relationship with God, we start to take on his perspective, his thoughts, his views. And the end result of all of that is we're transformed. We are. And this is why guarding our minds is so critical. Because God looks at our minds and he looks at it and he says, look, is that a mind that's full of the patterns of this world? Or is there room for the perspective of God? Because he won't force his way in. That's why we've got to guard our minds. He will not force his way in. But he wants to see, is there room for his perspective to enter our minds? Now, let me ask you a question. Do you remember where you were on March 20th, 2012? Unless that's your birthday, you probably don't. So I'm going to jog your memory a little bit. That was the day that you heard that the Denver Broncos signed a new quarterback, Peyton Manning. And that still may not help you figure out where you were. But do you remember what you were thinking? Now, I want you to be honest, okay? Because here we are this week of all weeks, and you know it's real easy for people to say, oh, I knew. I knew that was a great decision from the start. I just knew it. Okay, just lovingly, I'm going to tell you, no, you didn't, you liar, okay? <laughs> Maybe a few people did. But do you remember what people were thinking? Do you remember Facebook? Do you remember the sports world? Do you remember the articles? Do you remember the TV? What were you hearing about? You were hearing about Peyton Manning. He missed the entire 2011 season, or most of it. Peyton Manning, he's had 11 neck surgeries. Peyton Manning couldn't even lift a three-pound dumbbell after those surgeries. Peyton Manning, what if, what if the offensive line breaks down and somebody gets just the right hit on him? What if? And I don't know. That's what people were thinking. But there was one person, one person in Denver who had a different perspective. His name was Nathan Harrison. I'm just kidding. His name, <laughs> his name was another familiar name, John Elway. And John Elway, while right now he's vice president of uh, operations for the Broncos, do you remember what position he played? Quarterback. And do you remember his career? He had taken teams to the top. He'd failed at the top. And he had succeeded at the top. And so he had a little bit different perspective going into all this. And so he went and he watched Peyton Manning throw and Peyton Manning in his recovery. And he watched Peyton Manning do his workouts. And with that perspective, he decided we're going to take the risk. And the Broncos would pay Peyton Manning $96 million to come play for their football team. And I don't think I have to tell you what has happened. Would we all agree there's been a transformation? Here is a football team that before Peyton Manning got here had won three playoff games since 1999. Three playoff games since 1999. 
And yet this season, we've seen them become the most prolific offense in the history of pro football. We've seen them, we've seen them win as many playoff victories this year. I guess there's a bye. So almost as many playoff victories this year as they had had in the previous 14 or 15 years. Oh, and then there's this small thing they're playing in the Super Bowl next week. But you know what has happened? A transformation has taken place because of the perspective of one person. And I look at all that and I go, well, there it is. That's it right there. That is what God does on a much bigger level. In the midst of a relationship with him, he gives us this perspective. And once that perspective is in our brains, it transforms us. And he does it over and over and over. So, we live in a world that gets attention from us, but is destructive to us. God's perspective for us transforms us. And that leads us to truth number three, that God's intentions include us. God's intentions include us. Look at the last part of Romans chapter 12, verse two. He says, then, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. And then he adds this, his good pleasing, and perfect will. This is the part that is so hard for us to see. It's so difficult for us to see, especially when we're looking at a possible change, when we're looking at transformation before the fact. It's so hard, and it's so hard to see even in the midst of it because we think it's just about change, and Paul is saying, no, there's, there's so much more on the other side of it. There's so much more. Nathan, you think it's just a haircut, but on the other side, you're going to be a hottie. Right, Kara? Yes. <laughs> you know, or there's, you, you see the pain. You see that it's not any fun. You see maybe God thinks you should have all these rules. You see it's uncomfortable. You see it's scary. And Paul's saying, no, there's something so much more on the other side. There's a man named David Gonzalez who knows this. He is a homeowner in Minnesota. And a couple years ago, David Gonzalez, he bought this distressed property for just over $10,000. And going into it, he was thinking, well, we're just going to renovate this, and then we'll either turn around and sell it or we'll live here. But in the midst of transforming this distressed property, David was pulling out some drywall, and behind an old piece of insulation, there was, from 1972, an Action Comics comic book. And he pulled out this comic book, and he held on to it and started doing some research. And three months ago, that comic book sold at an auction for $175,000. There is so much more on the other side of the transformation that God wants to do in our lives. See, we think God just wants to change people to change people. He doesn't just change people and leave it at that. There is something of so much value on the other side because God wants to change people so that they can be part of what he's up to in the world. I mean, sure, he could have done all this without us, but you know what he says? He says, I want, I want you guys to be part of it. I want to include you. And so I'm gonna transform you and then I wanna use you for what I'm doing in the world. God's intentions include us. And so we've walked through three significant truths 
that the world we live in gets attention from us and is destructive to us, that God's perspective for us transforms us, and God's intentions include us. And I pray that that helps us see that living out God's intentions starts with shifting our attention. And so all of that boils down to one simple question for everyone in here this morning. What has our attention? Right now, what has our attention? Because if God transforms us through the renewing of our minds, then we have to ask ourselves, what right now has the attention of my mind? What is it that has the attention of my mind right now? And if we want to walk through this life and know God's intentions for our lives and the world around us, then we have to stop and consider what has the attention of our minds right now. Do you know who walked through this life every single day knowing the intentions, knowing the will of God? You're in church, so you know this answer. Jesus. Jesus walked through this life every single day knowing the will of his heavenly father, knowing the intentions. And do you want to know why? Because in his relationship with his heavenly father, he gained the perspective of his heavenly father. And this is why Paul tells us, take on the mind of Christ. Have the mind of Christ. And so this morning, as you're considering, as you're looking around your life, looking at all the different things that have your attention right now, I just want to ask you a question. Or actually, I want to give you a filter. I want to give you a filter this morning that you can take all that stuff that has your attention right now and you can hold it up to this filter and run everything through it and determine, does my attention need to be shifted or should I keep going the way I'm going? And that filter is something else that the Apostle Paul said in a letter to the Philippians. He says this, this is in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think, think about such things. As we, as we think about the conversations and the people that have our attention right now, are our conversations about them, are they true? Are they noble? The media, the movies, the TV shows, all the stuff we interact with every single day for entertainment, is it right? Is it pure? Are the desires that drive us, are they lovely? Are they admirable? Because these are the things that have our attention. So we have to run them through that filter. Right now, we're in a very unique season as a church. We're in transition. And we don't have a senior pastor or lead pastor right now. But let me ask, how is it that you're thinking about this whole process right now? Are you worried? Are you scared? Are you fearful? Are you disappointed? Are you upset? Could I challenge you this morning to maybe make a shift? To shift your attention and the way you think about it to something true, something noble, something right, 
something pure, something lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. Because you want to know what's on the other side of that? On the other side of that, you get to find out what God's intentions are. Not just for you, but for your church and for the world around you. And you also get to be transformed because living out God's intentions starts with shifting our attention. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you are a God who you are so rich in knowledge, you're so rich in wisdom, but when you look at us, that you are patient as well. Because we do, we gravitate towards a world that is destructive to us. And so, Father, will you give us the strength to guard our minds? Will you fill our minds, not with the pattern of the world? Can you help us move that out and give us the perspective that you have? And, Father, I just ask that you will, you will just bring crystal clear into our minds and on our hearts what it is that has our attention right now and shift our attention to something true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next week, Westables.